I did not believe that life could ever compensate me for what I've been through. And I held a very deep bitterness and a, a confusion, a frustration. And I, you know, over the last year, I'm going to say it was towards the end of 2019, I kind of began to be able to journey out of that with meditation. It's like been a lifesaver for me. So, you know, even though there was no turnaround during that time for me financially or physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, through meditation Mm -hmm. and being willing to explore the depths of me and allow my own voice to rise to where I could hear it. Yeah. That began the alchemy process for me. This is Unconditioning, Discovering the Voice Within, with Whitney Ann Jenkins. Hello and welcome to the 22nd episode of Unconditioning, Discovering the Voice Within, where I bring on guests and we talk about the inner authentic voice and the challenges and the rewards that come from following it. This week I have with me Cosette Dunn. I discovered Cosette through my friend David Long. I was visiting him, and he actually is a mandolinist extraordinaire, by the way, who is releasing a record soon. So I should have him on the podcast, too, because he has a really interesting story. But anyway, I was visiting David, and one of Cosette's videos popped up on YouTube. And I couldn't stop watching. She was charismatic. She was saying such profound things in a very accessible and genuine and authentic way. And so David made the introduction and we made this happen. Cosette is on my podcast. Cosette is a native of Tennessee. She is a poet, a blogger, a student of psychology, humanitarian. She has transformed her own trauma in her life and is now sharing her own personal wisdom with others as a life coach. She just returned from an epic trip from Turkey And so I got to talk to her about the wisdom and knowledge that she garnered from that trip. And so I'm really excited to share Cosette with you. She's a treat. You're going to love her. She's a burst of sunshine. That's enough rambling about it from me. You'll hear for yourself. So here is Cosette Dunn. I'm so excited to like... Yeah, I'm excited too. You feel like a celebrity to me in a, a lot of ways because David introduced me to you and your videos and I kind of binge watched them. <laughs> so I'm really excited for this because yeah, yeah you have such a, like an endearing authenticity about you. And Thank I find you. so charming. I don't understand why you're not viral, to be honest. Oh, we'll you're you too kind. Thank yeah, you for that. So, so this is going to be a lot of fun. For sure. <laughs> so we will officially start right now if you're feeling comfortable. Yeah, that sounds great. So there's a, a question that I usually ask my guests first. And that is, when is the first time that you realized that you had an inner voice of your own and it wasn't influenced by your environment or your family or anything around you, but you knew that it was you and only you? Do you have a, a moment that you recognize as that? Yeah, I do, actually. Um, I feel like throughout my adolescence, I, I noticed that I had an inner guiding voice. Um, I think because of the nature of just, you know, immaturity at that age, it wasn't something that seemed 
prominent to me at the time. However, when I got into my, I'm going to say late 20s, early 30s, I'd say the defining moment of that for me would probably have come when I had a little bit of a crisis of faith. I was heavily involved in an evangelical church. It was a Pentecostal church. And there just came this point to where my belief systems, the doctrines of that particular church just would not align with the reality of life. And I realized that I could either stay in insanity, for lack of a better phrase, and keep doing the same thing, expecting a different result, Mm -hmm. um, which was not going to come. Or I could trust the innate intelligence that I felt had been given to me by my creator and go against the grain and just be open to understanding and discovery, basically, and essentially understanding that life is so much grander and so much more complex. And there's simply no way, there's no way to simplify it through, through um, religious rigor, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) So you, you grew up in the Bible Belt. Yes, I did. Yeah, I've lived Uh, in Tennessee my entire life. Okay, so I grew up in West Virginia, so I can totally relate to that kind of atmosphere and philosophy so I'm really curious and you mentioned in one of your videos that you were a preacher at one point I was yes um yeah I did I was um I preached for for several years I did revivals I was um an assistant pastor at one point I was an aspiring bible major I probably got to a junior level in my bible degree And then life just kind of happened and I wasn't able to complete my degree. Um, And I've since switched to um, psychology. So that's kind of where I'm at now. Okay, so I'm I'm just curious how you went from being a preacher to now seeming to have life perspectives and more open-minded philosophies regarding religion and life in general that one might not expect from someone from your background. So how did you come to discover these things that you feel called to now? You know, honestly, I think it probably all boils down to pressure. Um, You and I, we've talked briefly. I, and this is, you know, anybody who looks at this or, or checks out my YouTube or whatever, you know, it, I'm kind of an open book. I've had a very traumatic past Um, And since childhood, I have always wondered the question of, you know, why people do what they do, why people think what they think, why people behave and react and perceive the ways that they do. So from very early on, that was just kind of um, a part of the fabric that is me. And so I think the pressure from the trauma and um, just kind of the unfolding of my 20s, I I think it was kind of a perfect storm that brought me to a place which I now in retrospect, I can see was inevitable. 
and perfect alignment. Right. Was there someone that helped you along the way who inspired you to reach that point? Or was it more of like a synchronicity thing where you found the next steps just because you were in alignment? Yeah. So I think, I think for me, it would be that along my path, I would come across um, people, especially leaders, spiritual leaders, who seemed to kind of be rebels, who operated on the fray of, you know, the faith that I was familiar with. My entire life, I have been very much into women in leadership. That whole um, arena is just inspiring to me. And I, you know, I think also because of my past and uh, the experience I had with my mother, one thing, you know, it's a very complex, complicated life, but in spite of the complexity and the trauma, one thing that she instilled within me was the resilience and the awe and wonder of women. And so throughout all of the faith context, throughout all of the religious contexts that I have been in, I grew up in a Jehovah's Witness household. Um, so I have a lot of different religious experience. But one thing that has always been important to me is how women are represented and how they lead within religious contexts. Um, so I found myself drawn to women pastors, women preachers, women uh, leaders, and they kind of served as trailblazers for me. But in the same breath, I would also say they didn't necessarily go far enough to, they didn't go far enough for me. Like I felt like there was so much more in operating within the particular religious context that we were in. They were still extremely limited as far as, you know, the wisdom that they could offer, the experience that they could share. It was just a very limiting environment. And I just, I've never been okay with feeling any sense of limitation. Um, that's something I've always kind of naturally bucked, I think part of your authentic soul that you seem to have been following since you were a child yeah for sure yeah <laughs> yeah so is was there a specific moment where you decided to put religion away that you had been a part of for so many years yeah definitely um probably that would have come in my early 30s when I just kind of realized you know no nothing about what I'm being taught is is serving me it's not serving anyone around me it's not it's not fulfilling it's not healing it's not holding up to its promises so yeah I think it was probably in my early 30s I kind of made the decision quietly in my heart and I certainly made it before I ever made a break with like say you know regular church attendance or whatnot but yeah definitely that point came during that time. Did anyone challenge you for that decision? You know, I never consulted anyone about the decision, so I never gave anyone <laughs> the opportunity to do so. Perfect. <laughs> There's some wisdom right there. Yeah, I, 
I think, unfortunately, that religious contexts create sort of a self-sabotaging environment, and it's a travesty of sorts because I feel like religion teaches us to, to some degree, to check our logic, our intuition, and that inner voice, to just check it at the door, you know, and to suppress the things that come to us through our innate intelligence and intuition. Um, and view those things as bad or secular and unable to serve, you know, the purposes, the higher purposes that we're destined for. Um, and I found that to be a, a travesty. So, yeah, I know that the journey of inner growth is a long and treacherous one sometimes. Was there a moment after that that you felt? that you had arrived a little bit more at home in your authenticity? Um, that has probably come just over the last, I don't know, maybe five years, maybe less. I don't, you know, and I kind of shrink to say that because of my age. I'm 42. I feel like that's something I should have stepped into much earlier. I feel like it's something I had the ability to step into much earlier. Uh, but my conscience, I think, was so sensitized to not offending the God that religion presented to me. And so I was all too willing to sacrifice that um, in order to be a good person. And um, so, yeah, my perception was seriously skewed, I think, because I, of that. I think you're not giving yourself enough credit <laughs> because I think that a lot of people never even get to that point of wanting to question their environments or the things that surround them. So I, I think uh, you are way ahead than you think you are. I hope so. Yeah. I'm, I'm thankful that, that you see that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, so you have a beautiful blog where you openly express your thoughts and your life philosophies as well as write poetry. So when did you discover that you could use writing both prose and poetic as an outlet and a way to express your authenticity. Writing for me has been one of the most powerful catalysts and, you know, just overall therapeutic tools for my life and my path. And, you know, that's something else I stepped into what I feel kind of late in life. I was right around the age of 29. And um, I began you know, as I kind of began the whole process of, of questioning, you know, my context, my religious context at that time, um, I was following different bloggers and different writers, um, you know, just a huge wide range from people who are extremely spiritual to atheists to um, people who are super open with their sexuality, just this huge gamut of humanity. And I thought, you know, I think I want to write like this. I want to be this open and this unapologetic. And I think that will help me to feel better just emotionally. And so I did begin writing and it, it, for me, it naturally comes out in a poem. And I started getting a lot of feedback, a lot of feedback. And um, it kind of took me aback that people felt like my writing was really special to them and very catalytic for them, very healing for them. 
And so I just kind of continued on that path. And I, I did it in a way that was not necessarily aspirational, but more therapeutic. It was mostly like journal entering for me. And then it's just kind of naturally reached beyond that, even though that wasn't necessarily my intention. Yeah. You seem to like churn out a lot of content. Like, <laughs> and it's, and it is, and it's lengthy sometimes. It's kind of impressive. So, would, would you describe your process? Do you have a ritual for writing? Like if it's prose versus poetry or does it, is it something that just flows out of you? Yeah, I wish I could say I had a ritual, but I guess I'm kind of messy with it. <laughs> it just kind of, it comes out and I, probably the only thing that I have developed and, and been more intentional about, and it, this really doesn't even hint at so much as a ritual as it does a discipline, I have learned that just like following your inner voice, you need to follow the flow of the creative juices when they go. And so, you know, sometimes for me, especially lately, that means if I'm awake during the night, you know, I'm a very um, prolific dreamer. Okay. And so sometimes I'll wake from a dream and I can't stop writing. And I've learned to go ahead and follow that. Um, it seems kind of counter uh, counterintuitive because you think, well, you know, your body needs sleep. Of course it does. And, and I get my sleep. But when I'm in that flow, I receive energy, you know, so it's not anything that drains me, thankfully. Mm-hmm. So it's something that is helping you and giving you back as you give back to others. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. You speak a lot about creativity in connection with consciousness and vibrations. Yeah. And could you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. I'm so excited to even talk about that. So <laughs> one thing that I think is so absolutely phenomenal about creativity is this. Whenever, whenever we are in the process of creating, whether that's singing, writing, painting, sculpting, um, any kind of a creative flow, we actually enter into higher levels of clarity and consciousness. Creativity raises our vibration, and that's actually something that's measurable. Um, and so, you know, one thing that I often hear from creatives is maybe, maybe it's writers and they have writer's block, or maybe it's painters and they are just not feeling any inspiration, nothing's going on the canvas. Um, the thing is, when you, when you, when you create, even if you don't have the idea, if you just come to your paper, if you just come to your word processor, if you just come to your canvas, um, sometimes things will just flow automatically. You may not even realize what's going to come out, but something comes out and then that lays a foundation for some really great works. Would you have any advice for someone who does not necessarily think of themselves as creative and how to achieve that vibration and flow? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I never really considered myself a creative type or a creative person until probably like the last 
seven or eight years. I kind of saw myself as a person with, you know, kind of a limited skill set and limited talents. And I, I don't mean that negatively. It was just kind of like, yeah, I'm not really, I'm not that kind of person, whatever. There are a lot of people who feel that about themselves. I would say for people who, who wonder or question if they have certain talents or certain abilities or, you know, creative aspects about themselves, I would say the first thing to do is explore where they've made any kind of, I don't want to say unconscious agreements, but definitely, definitely something along that line of not being willing or open to explore outside the boxes of their, their own context, whether that's, you know, socioeconomic or religious or, you know, cultural, it really, really serves us well to have an open mind and to trust our gut when it comes to navigating new information, because nine times out of 10, you know, maybe I'm a super optimist about this, but nine times out of 10, we're going to be mostly right. Mm -hmm. I think we should definitely trust our guts more when it comes to getting into a creative flow. So digging into that a little deeper, what do you feel about maybe extending creativity into every aspect of our lives as we are creators and we're creating our life in every moment? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, for me personally, I, I can only speak from my own experience. Oh, I can also speak from my observations of other creatives. There is definitely a place that a person can get into where their creativity paints every arena, every interaction, whether it's a business email that seems humdrum or boring. If the vibration itself is present, even though it doesn't necessarily, even though they're not sitting down to do a painting or do something that's considered you know, quote unquote, creative or artistic. If the vibration is present, it colors your reality in a really, really beautiful way. And it's tangible. Other people can feel it. Yes. So you said that you wake from dreams and that inspires you to start writing. So where would you say that inspiration comes from? You know, I think it's a mixture of a couple of things. There is this concept of primordial imagery that was introduced to us in the psychology field by um, Carl Jung. Mm -hmm. And the concept of primordial imagery essentially states that all of the imagery that humanity has seen from the dawn of humanity is stored in our unconscious, in our subconscious. And those images are passed on epigenetically. And so I feel like part of it is that for me. And another side of it, I would attribute to spirit. I would attribute that to, you know, universe, things like that. So I think for me, it's at least those two things. Okay. And so... Uh, to take that concept and then connect it with your recent travels to Turkey, where you seem to be deeply resonant with, do you feel like that 
is something that might be possible that you have seen those images before in your life? I believe that with all my heart. I do. I could have never guessed or even imagined that when I got to Turkey that I would experience what I did. Just to give the listeners a little background about your turkey trip, maybe you can like fill them in a little bit. Yeah, about... yeah, definitely. Yeah, okay. Yeah, definitely. So for me, like I haven't traveled or I had not traveled in, in many years. And, you know, I think everybody around the world, you know, was essentially feeling super bogged down by the restrictions of the pandemic. And so I just set this intention that I was no longer going to be passive about travel because that is something that feeds me. That's something that nourishes me and I, I deserve that nourishment. And so I set this intention that the moment it was humanly possible to travel, I was not just going to go to Panama City or Gallenberg. I was going to get off of U.S. soil and just kind of find myself and get some updates on who I am now that, you know, I, I just wouldn't have been able to had I stayed here where I'm at. And so I didn't realize that that was going to lead me to such a place of perfect alignment with my higher self, with my destiny, with my purpose in life. And um, so, yeah, whenever, <laughs> whenever I got to like Istanbul airport, I had this huge earth shattering <laughs> awakening. <laughs> <laughs> and that that definitely changed the trajectory for me from for many things. <laughs> Would you like to share your awakening? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, probably to I know to everyone around me it was super ugly. <laughs> um, you know, I had prepared like I so I come from a family of engineers and chaos, okay? Okay. So I, I am a disaster planner. Okay. I try to engineer out every single risk ahead of time for anything that I do, whether it's business or personal or travel or just whatever. I guess that's kind of like a trauma, trauma thing. So I had prepared as well as I could. I had been working on learning Turkish um, for at least a year before I went. I had um, tried to acquaint myself with, you know, cultures and traditions. And, you know, even those things can vary wildly by region. And of course, I, I understood, you know, that Turkey is a predominantly Muslim nation. And that was going to be wildly different from my context here. And so I tried to prepare myself to be culturally uh, and spiritually sensitive, you know, for those things. So I felt pretty good about it until I got into Istanbul <laughs> and I got off the plane and I couldn't understand any of the signs around me. I couldn't find out where my gate was. And this airport is huge. Okay. If you've been to Atlanta airport, you know that that's one, if not at, at at one point was the biggest airport in the world. Mm -hmm. Istanbul has expanded, so it's even larger than Atlanta. So just the sheer size of it was very intimidating as a female solo traveler. Mm -hmm. But, you know, adding on to that, 
I couldn't understand the signs around me. And so, you know, long story short, I went back and forth walking through that airport with this like, you know, 25 pound duffel bag that had no, no wheels on it. So that was a really stupid move. Um, it was wearing my shoulders out. You know, I missed my flight and I literally, oh no. I, I know it was crazy. I broke down crying. I literally doubled over in the middle of the airport probably three times yeah, just were, openly bawling. You were probably pretty sleep deprived at that point too. <laughs> I was. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's another whole aspect. Just finding out what I was made of physically surprised me, which was a huge breakthrough for me. But, um, and so, you know, I'm asking all these people for help. They don't understand me. I don't understand them. You know, it, it was wild. I eventually, you know, connected with a good Samaritan and he really ended up being a protector for me there at the airport and a guide helping me get to my gate. But it was during those moments of chaos and during those moments of just crying from sheer fright, honestly, that I could hear my inner voice mm -hmm. directing me. Literally, I had, whether it was actually like this or not, this is how I felt. I literally had to depend on my own intuition because mm -hmm. I couldn't understand what was around me. Yeah. And I had to depend on my intuition, you know, to, to save my life. Because for me, missing a flight is a super technical thing because I have sleep apnea. Um, I've dealt with panic disorder and some mental health issues. So it's not easy for me to just say, you know what, I'm just going to camp out at the airport till I get my next flight, you know, because of all of those things. So, yeah, I really, really discovered the loud voice yeah. when I needed it of my intuition. There's a saying, if you can't meditate, then travel. Have you ever heard that? Oh, I it, have it, not. Because it takes you out of your element and it forces you to listen to your inner self. And so I think yeah. that totally makes sense for where you were. Totally believe that. That makes perfect sense. I love that saying. I'll, I'll use that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure where it's from, and I, I'm probably butchering it quite a bit, but <laughs> it makes sense for me because I've I've traveled solo also, and I've had similar experiences as you're describing, so I definitely believe it's true. So when yeah, you yeah. got to Turkey, what was that like? It was amazing. So, you know, other than, you know, kind of the, the scare of, you know, the airport, um, when I finally got to my final destination, which was Antalya, um, I kind of, if it's okay, I kind of just want to plug that area of Turkey because right now they're yeah. experiencing the worst wildfires, I think, in their history. Mm -hmm. So yeah. literally the entire southwest coast is on fire. It's true. It, plug away. One of my best friends is from Turkey, so I would love to oh, plug it away. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Okay. Yeah. And you know, anybody who gets onto my site or my social medias, I have information there for Turkish charities and organizations that, that are helping with that issue if anybody wants to get involved on in it. Thank you. Yeah. Seems like everywhere is on fire right now. So when you got to, to you stayed at a resort, I believe? I did. Yeah, I was at Miracle Resort and it 
totally exceeded. Like I had no idea how amazing it was going to be. The people are so warm and so hospitable um, and just so willing to kind of reach out and help you find your way. Um, so it was, it was a very surreal experience for me. Probably all of my adult life, I have wanted to be on the Mediterranean. It's always had a very strong appeal for me. And so when I finally got there and stood on the shore mm -hmm. of the Mediterranean, that just, I can't even describe adequately the sense of accomplishment and achievement, confidence, and just catharsis that I felt being able to be there. Were you able to write while you were there? I was, yeah. Um, and actually, I had a very um, profound vision, which I, I mean, I guess no one ever really ex expects or anticipates that sort of thing, but um, had something that very much, I mentioned earlier that just kind of being there definitely changed the trajectory for me. And so this, this vision that I had was certainly a part of that. I'm kind of working on, you know, how it's going to unfold, the meaning of it, and all that good stuff, but it was definitely a very profound moment that was overwhelming for me. Yeah, did you find that your flow and your process for writing was, like, amplified by being in that environment? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, I did. Um, it was definitely one of those times where you just can't write enough because so much is coming to you, um, and so... I got a lot of content kind of stored up for, you know, my various outlets, my blog, my YouTube and all that good stuff. And it's, I know it's going to take me at least a year to get it all out there at least because so much really did come to me. Um, we, we've kind of talked about, you know, the vibration a little bit, the vibration there for me, I think, I, and I don't, I don't really know what to attribute it to if, unless it was just the fact that I was very much in alignment with, mm -hmm. you know, my purpose, my calling. Um, the vibration was extremely high. It felt so good. And um, it was definitely a catalyst for me to kind of get a lot of creative downloads. Yeah. Can you describe what it feels like when you're in a high vibration? As like a lot of people might not have ever experienced that in their life. Yeah, so so for me, it feels like, if you know what it feels like to feel dammed up, to have blockages, if you can imagine what it might feel like to have absolute flow, where there are no blockages, where there are no constrictions, and where there is just this vibrant, almost prismatic flow mm -hmm. You really, really do feel like you're a channel for something much greater and larger than yourself. Mm. Wow, that was a beautiful description. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. What was your What were your biggest takeaways from being in Turkey? My biggest takeaways would have to be that life is so much grander than we. We've not even really 
seen the tip of the iceberg when it comes to understanding the grandness, the largeness of, of life itself, the purpose of life and the meaning that it can hold and, you know, just the frequencies that we can operate in. And so you've experienced a lot of trauma in your life and you've been able to alchemize that. It seems into something, you know, turning poison into medicine in a Buddhist way of saying it. And so now you're on a journey of becoming a life coach and helping others with their trauma. Yeah. And so what can you do you want to talk about that a little bit in that process and journey? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, probably part of what I'm going to say is going to sound kind of cliche, but there really can come a point that you reach in life. Try not to cry. (laughs) It's okay. You're welcome. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Where you really can look back and see how your pain can serve your purpose. I have been through more than my fair share of suffering. And honestly, up until, I don't know, maybe a year ago, this is how fresh this is for me. I did not believe that life could ever compensate me for what I've been through. And I held a very deep bitterness and a a confusion, a frustration. And I, you know, over the last year, I'm going to say it was towards the end of 2019, I kind of began to be able to journey out of that with meditation. It's like been a lifesaver for me. So, you know, even though there was no turnaround during that time for me financially or physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, through meditation Mm -hmm. and being willing to explore the depths of me and allow my own voice to rise to where I could hear it. Yeah. That began the alchemy process for me. And then, you know, 2020 was a test for everyone. Right. And so I kind of had to learn how to navigate 2020 again through meditation and discover ways to alchemize that process one of the things that helped me the most was gratitude. Yeah. And so if you, if you study the frequency and the vibration of, of certain emotions, you will find that gratitude is the highest vibrating emotion that a human being can, can have or has demonstrated thus far. So if there's one way that you want to raise your vibration, it's, it is through gratitude. And then when I got, you know, to Turkey, that was, it was like all the lessons that I had learned, everything that I had been through in my life up until that trip, it all, that trip, everything, all my trauma, all the lessons, all the alchemy, it all coalesced on that trip. I would say it all coalesced when I got into Istanbul airport before I even got to Antalya really. Although there was obviously some unfolding of it, you know, at, in Antalya, but everything kind of led to that moment to show me that that, that was the pivot point for my life path. Right. To have that awareness is not a small thing and you should be super proud of that. Yeah. Thank you. 
it's growing for sure. Yeah, definitely. Because you because you have been healing yourself, you are now able to become a healer. But I think that you probably always have been a healer. Yeah, I think so. Um, I can look back to even when I was just little, that healer aspect. Um, I remember trying to save little kids in my classroom getting in trouble. You know, um, I certainly had to be a maternal figure for one of my younger brothers, the one that I grew up with. So definitely. And I would say this. Can I say that I healed myself? Yes. Um, also, though, I would have to say that I have had some amazing people in my life who enabled me to heal myself. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, definitely. I've, I've been a bit of a group project. <laughs> <laughs> You've had a, a good support system around you. Yes. Yes, I have. And I'm so, so grateful for that. That's amazing. So where do you see Cosette Contemplates going? Like if you could dream your biggest dream, like in five years, where will you be? So right now what I'm dreaming, and I, you know, I'm thankful to say that it's already kind of taking on an international aspect in that I'm talking with people and doing healing sessions with people from a lot of different countries. Wow. My heart is definitely that of a humanitarian and definitely one that wants to encourage and empower women. So I would say the next five years, I really look to expand more into those areas of humanitarian and, you know, women's empowerment. Amazing. So if someone would like to work with you in your healing process, what does that look like? So in order to be just completely authentic to myself and follow what I know to be my own unique modalities, it would be, and it, you know, there's definitely more details to it than this, but it definitely is going to feel more contemplative mm-hmm. and em- self-empowering for the people that I work with. You know, I think when we think of a life coach, we think of someone who's extremely instructional, directional, and I am those things. I do have those kind of tools, but what has served me the best and what I feel will serve those who are attracted to what I do is going to be equipping them in their core, in their inner being, in the areas of helping them develop and bring to the surface who they are, what they value from their unconscious and put it into their, into their consciousness. That's what it's going to feel like. Mm -hmm. So taking the things that you've learned for yourself and passing them on. Absolutely. Passing your wisdom on for others. That's fantastic. Yeah. I'm excited about it. (laughs) Yeah. So I have a question that I usually ask to wrap up the conversation. And the question is this. If your inner voice had a billboard, what would it say to the world? Trust yourself. Mm. Honor yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good one. Yeah. Don't, you know, just to kind of expound on it, it would be do not hand over your personal power to any kind of entity, whether that's a, you know, a religious entity, a family entity, just 
don't hand over your personal power and and doubt that you have what it takes on the inside of you to survive and thrive and to know truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you so much for sharing yourself with everyone and I really appreciate it. Um, If people would like to discover your work, where can we guide them? So yeah, check out my my site. It is contemplativecoaching.life. On there, they can schedule appointments and check out my blog and other services. I have a YouTube channel that is Cosette Contemplate. Um, I'm very raw on that channel. Like I'm not one of the content creators, I, you know, who, who has the studio lights and the makeup on point and the hair on point. Like I'm literally sitting my, sitting in my bed at like one in the morning in my PJs, just kind of discoursing. You know? so. you're, you're authentic. And that's kind of what I love about it. So <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I'm glad that you do. Like, I'm super thankful that someone like, like that's good for them. <laughs> People use so many filters and just edit themselves so much nowadays that it's very refreshing to see that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It really, it really helps you because that's it's the humanity in us that's desiring to connect, and humanity is not, and never will it be polished. Right. Thank you so much for joining me this week. If you're listening and you like what you hear, please consider subscribing and rating this podcast as it really helps get this podcast out to other people who might be interested in hearing it but don't know about it yet. And also, if you'd like to contact me or reach me, you can reach me at unconditioningpodcast at gmail.com or unconditioningpodcast on Instagram. Thank you so much. And until next time... Stay tuned in to you.